Welcome to Mafia, a new podcast telling stories of America's criminal underworld. Gotti assumed the position of head of the Gambino family. And using the name Donnie Brasco, I was able to infiltrate the uh, Bonanno uh, crime family in New York City. Bugsy Siegel is an American mob legend. One man changed the whole texture and landscape of crime in America. Listen to Mafia every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows. Five, four, three, two, one. Cue music. This is Movies First with Alex First and Chris Coleman. On Movies First, Alex First and I, Chris Coleman, have spoken numerous times about many aspects of movies. And I want to start today with the naming of movies, Alex. And I think sometimes I appreciate that a long name is necessary, but I think sometimes your name of a movie can be too long. And Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children does tend to lend itself towards that. It's going to be too hard to fit on marquees of many theatres around the world. Well, no, no, if you've got a business card, it can sort of straddle both sides. I think that's fantastic. I I was doing a quick count. I think it's 38 letters. You you can correct me if I'm wrong. It's just the most unusual name, and I suppose I remember it because it's unusual. Generally, I believe in one-word titles. Do you? One or two, occasionally three, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, but I, it's such an unusual title, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Well, the word peculiar children immediately resonates with me, and when you think about who would be the director of something like this, I, I, I reckon it's pretty obvious. If this was a trivial pursuit question and you didn't know, the, the first person that I would come up with is indeed the director. His name is Tim Burton, because he makes obtuse, bizarre otherworldly movies, doesn't he? I mean, you think about my favourite probably was Edward Scissorhands and then then Beetlejuice. And there were there were others as well, weren't there? He, he did Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. He, he directed- did, and that was great fun. And he also did uh, the, the Nightmare Before Christmas, which was a great twisted tale. Yep, it was indeed. And, and he he's done, some are better than others. I mean, Mars Attacks I wasn't as keen on. Big Fish was pr- pretty unusual. Corpse Bride, then then oh, Alice in Wonderland, of course. Frankenweenie, Big Eyes. I actually enjoyed Big Eyes. So he's done some really interesting work. By the way, they're doing a sequel to Beetlejuice. That's a hell of a long time between drinks. Another one. Well, when uh, you say as, in, as in another movie that that is getting a sequel after a very very long time in yep. blue. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it was. It by the time it comes out, I dare say. It will be the best part. Well, it was made in 88, so 98, 08, 18. So it could be 30 years between drinks. So we're talking a generation and a half. But he makes very unusual films. Do you like him as a director or not particularly? I I think... I I don't think Tim Burton's one of those ones you can say you like his work because it is is A, odd, as we've already discussed, but B, it has such a, a wide range of... Uh, things that he does, some of it you're going to love, some of it not so much. So you know, I, well, I think he's dark. one you take on a film-by-film basis. Yeah, I mean, there was a dark dark film, Batman, of course, as, yeah. as well, and Planet of the Apes. And, yeah, I, I, look, I generally like his obtuse mind, I suppose. That's, that's what I can say about him. In this case, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, which is a very long movie, 127 minutes, rated M in Australia. When it comes to families, one size does not fit all. And Jake, played by Asa Butterfield, who's bringing quite some gravitas to his roles, he was in Boy in Striped Pyjamas, incredible role there too. Anyway, 
Jake knows he's a square peg trying to fit into a round home, a hole. He just doesn't seem to fit in. He's got a wonderful relationship with his grandfather, played by Terence Stamp, who's told him remarkable stories throughout his young life. Mind you, his parents, Jake's parents, have dismissed these tales as fanciful and nothing more. When something sinister happens to Grandad, Jake looks to a counsellor, Alison Janey, for answers. And in time, he finds himself on a road trip with his dad, one that will bring to life the characters he heard about from his grandfather. And that is when Jake's life changes. You see, he discovers clues to a mystery that spans alternate realities and times. He uncovers a secret refuge known as Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. See, it all starts to make sense, doesn't it? And as Jake, it does, yes. And as Jake learns about the residents and their unusual abilities, he realises safety is an illusion. Danger lurks in the form of powerful hidden enemies. And Jake has to figure out what's real, who can be trusted, and who he really is. So he's got to find himself. The film's based upon a debut novel by a writer called Ransom Riggs. Ransom Riggs is apparently a male, which was published in 2011. And it was an instant global hit. It topped the New York Times bestseller list. It remained there for years. It's actually sold more than three million copies. How would you be? You'd create your first work and it sells more than three million copies. I reckon you'd be pretty happy. Uh, yes, because you'd make money out of that. Yeah, well, I reckon you would. And there's a sequel, Hollow City, published in 2014, and the final book in the trilogy, Library of Souls. Now, Rick's journey to Miss Peregrine's special home began with his hobby of collecting vintage photographs. And he did that at swap meets and flea markets. Have you ever bought a vintage photo that's been perhaps retouched up or whatever, you know, maybe an old city? I've done that. I, I've bought old photographs of Melbourne when obviously my hometown and it, I mean it, it looks like a, a country town amazing and it's great that these photos exist and and that's how Miss Peregrine's sort of home began and the more unusual the photograph the better so he used to write freelance this was Ransom Riggs for an organisation called Quirk Books, and Quirk Books were publishers of Pride, Prejudice and Zombies. Now, one day, he sent some of his still photographs to the Quirk team, thinking those images could make a haunting picture book. Instead, Quirk came up with the idea of using the photos to create a narrative for a novel. So they became, those photos became a touchstone for the characters, and the titular heroine of the novel and the movie is the protector of the peculiars, namely Miss Peregrine, played by Eva Green. And her peculiar... There's a difficult word. Her peculiarity is being an imbreen. Now, Excuse me? Yes. It's a word I'm not familiar with either because they've made it up, apparently. You can look it up. Y-M-B-R-I-N-E. Would that be a great Scrabble word? Imbreen. Uh, hang on. What, what, how, how is it spelled again? Y for yellow, yeah. M for Mary, B for Bob, and Brian, as in the liquid stuff that goes around fish and other things. Okay. Imbrine. You can look that up, see whether it's a real word. I don't believe it is. But well, there the, the, there's a Imbrine, Y-M-B-R-Y-N-E, which is a female syndrigast who can manipulate time and can take the form of a bird. No, that is it. 
But they spell it they spell it Y M B R I N E. Well, they're wrong. I okay. mean, I mean, if, if we're going to do this, if, if we're going to do this grammatic thing again, they're wrong. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm it's sorry. It's just I'm... like an apostrophe on the end of a word beginning with uh, on the end of a word ending in s. They're wrong like, as well. Like Chris's. <laughs> See, there should be an apostrophe s there. Chris. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they've spelt imbreen wrong. Well, yeah, they have. Uh, well, they don't. Put, mind you, I, I got that when I was researching the movie, and that's how they've spelt it in some material about it. So maybe maybe they didn't look it up. And like me, they probably thought, it's not a word that I've used in a sentence before, Chris. Okay, like, okay. So her peculiarity has been this inbreen, so she can manipulate time and, and take take the form of a bird. She can turn herself into a bird. And spelled and, correctly, it would score you 17 in Scrabble. Okay, so that's not a particularly high mark, is it? Well, unless you get the triple letter score, then you know you're talking fifty-one. If you get the the, the Y on a double letter as well, uh, you know that'd be twenty uh, twenty-one times three. You know you could get sixty. You could get into the sixties with it. Yeah, but but what about? Couldn't you put an X in there because that that'd give it some real clout? Well, then you'd be spelling it wrong. But then again, they've done that in the movie, so the, the, it's chaos and madness. Dogs and cats living together. You know, it's it's all wrong. Well, hang on. Did I tell you the story of the fact that the I, I heard an interview done with the editor of the Macquarie Dictionary who wants to get rid of apostrophes altogether? Uh, yeah, yeah, don't like the idea. I think, although the way apostrophes are misused by so many people these days, it probably would be better to do that. Well, so then Chris's folks would be C-H-R-I-S-S folks. Wouldn't that look ridiculous? Well, it would. Exactly. So, no, nah, I'm not for it either. And I know we're Australians, but I, I still refer to the Oxford. Do you refer to the Oxford or do you refer to the Macquarie? Uh, I actually have, and, and I, I, the, the people at Oxford a few years ago actually sent me oh. their their dictionary, the big one. You know the one that's... You remember the old Melbourne phone book before it split into yeah, A to K got, and L to Z? Right? Yeah. Remember how thick that was as, as one book? Well, mm-hmm. the Oxford Dictionary I have consists of, uh, I think it's A to M and N to Z in separate wow. volumes, each the size of the the, the old Melbourne phone book. It, it weighs probably five wow, kilos. The people at Oxford sent them to me years ago, and I still refer to them, so it's wonderful. No, look, and it's funny, I, I, I've said, you know, I refer to the Oxford as well, but quite frankly, I've got two large tomes that are two Macquarie Dictionaries. And in spite of the internet, I go and I physically take it out. I know my father used to do the same thing with the Oxford. So, I mean, but you know, my background is journalism, so it kind of makes sense. But if, if I don't know how a word is spelt, I will go and check it. But it doesn't have Chris's in there, so I maintain it's C-H-R-I-S apostrophe. I'm going back to Imbro. <laughs> I do. You do in- that and I'll go and get my dictionaries out so I can bang them on the desk. Exactly. Thank you very much. Now, all of this, folks, for those of you who have been following our Movie First podcast, all of this comes from Bridget Jones's baby because I had maintained Jones's doesn't need S apostrophe S. So there we go. So Imbrains. Miss Peregrine, along with other Imbrains, uses her ability to create a time loop in which she and the children live within a single day that repeats itself. So it's Groundhog Day. Uh, the year is 1943, so they're dropping bombs, right? And as the bombs are about to blow them to smithereens, they change back to the start of the day. 
I suppose that, that's really clever. Otherwise, if they weren't there, there wouldn't be a movie. And, oh, I don't know. Groundhog Day, Bill Murray managed to wipe himself out a few times. Well, it's true, too. Well, and then, this, then, then the day reset anyway. Maybe they should let the bombs land one time. That, well, in fact, yes. I, I'm not going to spoil the surprise for people who are going to go along and see Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. But, yes, maybe that happens. This protects them, by the way, this idea of repeating the, the repetitious loop from the evils of the world that exist outside this loop. And Miss Peregrine, quite an intriguing, sometimes rather mysterious character, capable of being a maternal figure to her young charges, to the kids, as well as a fearsome opponent to those who threaten them. Quite an impressive cast. Samuel L. Jackson as well. Ah, Chris... so this is where we need the Samuel L. Jackson alert, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Chris O'Dowd, Dame Judy Dench. It's a couple of love stories wrapped into one with a zany fantasy adventure plot. And that's what Tim Burton's noted for. Basically, the, the script's an excuse to feature several freak show characters together with children with special powers. I think they'd be right at home in an X-Men movie because there's transparency, there's levitation, there's fire, ice, superhuman strength, metamorphosis, you name it, and the peculiar children and their mentor have it. And then it's off on this grand adventure in a rusted ship that's been lying dormant at the bottom of the ocean for a long, long time. So instead of flying in the air like Peter Pan, they lift the vessel from beneath the ocean and they're away. Now, it's long. As I said at the outset, it's 127 minutes, so two hours, seven minutes. I don't think it needed to be that long. I mean, it stretches our patience, notwithstanding the surfeit of special effects. It, it's not my favourite Tim Burton movie, but it's not without its trademark ghoulish charm. And, look, it's got some violence, by the way, and scary scenes. That's why it's rated M in Australia. So, you know, you have to be of a certain age, I dare say, not to be scared. But, it, look, it's it's not bad. It's it's OK without being great. Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. Um, give us a score. Six and a half to seven out of ten. OK, six and a half to seven out of ten for Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. I have dug out my Oxford English dictionaries. And? Uh, it is It is the shorter... Oxford English Dictionary that I have, Alex. It Two is, volumes it, being... And how many pages is this, Chris? 3,751. 3, no. Really? Uh, here's, here's what happens... Now, hang on, I'll just hold the microphone here. Here's what happens if I drop one on the desk. Are you ready? Yeah, I, um, yeah. go for it. That's just one of them. <laughs> That's right. Now, what... So, graft and corruption lives. Why did you get the free... Did, did they love you dearly? Or they, 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 they sent it to me. I, did, I, I interviewed one of the lexicographers... One of the dictionary compilers. So, prior to it, they'd sent me the the the, Ox, the shorter Oxford English dictionaries. And yes, there's volume one A to M and volume two N to Z. This was about fifteen years ago. The fifth right. edition was published in two thousand and two. Uh, there are in excess of half a million definitions. Wow, that's that's something to behold. I love that. I I, I mean, it's one of those things. Do you read books or do you read books on an iPad? Uh, I'm, I'm actually, funnily enough, I'm actually transitioning more and more to reading on the iPad only because it's so much easier when you travel. You know, I can carry, mm. I can carry hundreds of books around on my iPad. I can carry maybe two or three books when I travel. But what about that feel, the touch of, of a you know, page? Oh, and yeah, I'm still much more the tactile experience. That's, yeah, yeah, but, exactly. But the... Uh, and it's taken a long time. I've had my iPad for, I reckon I've, I've been an iPad user for uh, since about a year after the first iPad surfaced. And it's mm. taken me until the last maybe 18 months to really become a book, uh, an, an iBooks user. 
Oh, okay. No, well, look, I think I, 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 I like technology very much, and I'm always reading newspapers on my iPhone. But, you know, when you, for example, this year, if you want to sort of follow the English Premier League, it's no longer on Foxtel. You can, you can watch it on your phone if you've got Optus. But the problem is the screen's too small and you don't want to carry around an iPad when you're going for a walk. You, you so, can still watch it if you've got a smart TV. You can still watch it on your smart TV. If you've got Optus Fetch TV, you can watch it there. Yeah. Well, so, I know this because I have them. Uh, <laughs> I have a subscription. Because, um, well, again, because I've been such a long and lo- long-serving and loyal customer, the wonderful people at Optus, uh, plug, 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 thank you very much, Optus, gave, gave me a free subscription this year. Good golly. You're, you've obviously walked under the right whatever it may be, to to enjoy all the fruits of your hard-earned work. Very, very good. Okay, well, let's, let's leave it at that for Miss Peregrines. And if you're into Tim Burton, then go along and see it. You've been listening to Movies First with Alex First and Chris Coleman. Subscribe to the full podcast at Audioboom, Stitcher and iTunes or your favourite podcast distributor. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com. Welcome to Mafia, a new podcast telling stories of America's criminal underworld. Gotti assumed the position of head of the Gambino family. And using the name Donnie Brasco, I was able to infiltrate the uh, Bonanno uh, crime family in New York City. Bugsy Siegel is an American mob legend. One man changed the whole texture and landscape of crime in America. Listen to Mafia every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows.